the podcast is that moment we've all been waiting for. History in the making. The greatest live event in entertainment history. Well, truthfully, it's pre-recorded. The balding, bleached blonde, irresistible force with the best handlebar mustache to ever grace a freakishly tanned face. Making her way into the ring this very moment is Sarah the Hulk Sharkster. No longer will she settle for sidekick co-host status to her legendary boss and younger sister, the immovable object, Samdre, the giant ass... Sharky! Yes, folks, it is the battle for all respect. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Jacked on the Beanstalk presents Sharky WrestleMania! Are you ready? First, let's hear what the Shorkster has to say. Well, you know, they said it was my last ride, man. Yesterday, when I finished hanging and banging with my kids, when I jumped in the minivan, man, as I headed to pick up the kids from school, some of the non-believers said, See you later, Shorkster man. This is your last ride. Well, take me alive, sisters. When I felt the fury as I ripped, as I tore the shirt, as I headed for the sunset, man, I looked down, sisters, and as the sun beamed off the golden eyes, I realized, Sooner or later, you gotta live and die, and you gotta face the truth. And for you, Sandre the giant ass, it's time to face the truth, man. Because when I think about what you and I have to do, sister, what I have to do is nothing. All I have to do is merely beat up. Five foot seven, fifty pound ass. But Sandre, you've got to face the truth, sister. In its purest form, man. And I can't wait to see you go down. What you gonna do, Sandre the giant ass? When the real truth, the ten inch pythons and sharkamania runs wild on you. (laughs) (laughs) That was good, sir. Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk Vegan Podcast. Hosted by the Shorky Sisters. Reppin' the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, the first ever vegan World Naturals bikini pro, coach, author, and blogger, who's got an ass that's out of this world. Reppin' the busy, tired moms of the world is Sarah, and her ass is, well, mediocre. Together, they're on a mission to live with purpose and unlock the mysteries of a healthy mind body and spirit so grab a seat in the back of sarah's minivan and enjoy the ride well hello everybody and welcome to the 25th episode of the jacked on the beanstalk podcast i am your lovely host sam shorky and i'm very happy to have my little co-host back on the air this week and sarah that hulk hogan impression was amazing i'm so glad to have you back with me 
Yeah, thanks. It's good to be back, but I think I need a lozenge really badly right now. <laughs> yeah, especially since you were sick. Yeah, well, we might we might have to pause for like a five minute long coughing fit. But, uh, <laughs> fortunately, I have water. And as you know, Erin loves when we drink water throughout our recording. Yes, and she's being serious because Erin hates when we have cat mouth. For any new listeners who might have missed our episode where we talked in great detail about what cat mouth entails, um, should should we do a quick sample just, just for Erin and well, I'd, listeners? I'd hate for the new listeners not to know what it is. So Yeah, exactly. All right, here we go. This is cat mouth. You're welcome, Aaron. And you better not edit that one out either. But anyway, it's certainly good to have you back, little Sari. And uh, I will admit that it totally felt weird holding the fort all alone last week, or I guess it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, actually, I wasn't even sick. I was just trying to make you aware of how important my role is. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Well, I guess it kind of worked then. Oh, good. When can I expect my raise then? How about after we do our stand-up comedy routine, which uh, has yet to happen? Yes, it's very unfortunate that I got sick just before that was supposed to happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The fact that I did plan a last-minute trip to Florida saved your ass on that one, too. Yes, thank you, Ethan Carter III, for mesmerizing my sister with your (laughs) chiseled abs and rock-hard man booty. Hmm... Thank you, Ethan Carter, indeed. (laughs) So in case anyone is wondering who we're talking about and what we're talking about, uh, and perhaps why the hell we started this episode (laughs) with that weird wrestling montage from, what was it, 1987 WrestleMania between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant? Classic. Yeah, that intro feels so long ago. We actually do have an interview. It's a bit of a random, not vegan episode because we're interviewing, or I'm interviewing, I should say, a famous wrestler who is a total babe. (laughs) And he goes by the name EC3, a.k.a. Ethan Carter III. But I know him by his real name, which is Michael Hutter. No stranger to podcast interviews, but he's actually never done a podcast that wasn't about wrestling before. Until now, of course. Yeah, basically Sam picked him up at the gym when he was in (laughs) Ottawa a few weeks ago for wrestling. Yeah, Sam. And she's been blinded by his bulging muscles and all she's talked about since. So since she's running out of people to tell about his perfection, (laughs) she's here to tell all of you all about him. Oh my god, he's so cute! (laughs) No, believe it or not, there is actually some relevance here, because, you know, I mean, he's clearly physically fit, and Mm -hmm. he follows a very... A very strict, strict. regimented diet and training program. He is in a whole nother category compared to me. And it's interesting because he lives his life shirtless 95% of the time. And so I thought because he is similar to the fitness industry where he has this persona and this appearance that he has to portray for his job, that it would be cool to really get into, you know, his mind and his mindset around all of this stuff because it is something that we talk about on the podcast a lot. So. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. You guys, it's like you you live in the same worlds, but then very different worlds as well. Both such 
subcultures, right? Like the fitness competing, and it's a weird one. This whole wrestling subculture, I don't get it at all. And actually, how funny is this? We were talking about if we ever get recognized, and I said, outside of vegan events, I have only ever been recognized by someone who follows me twice at Whole Foods, and his number one place where he gets recognized is Walmart. (laughs) But it's definitely something that uh, is not uh, an area that I know anything about. The fact that we came up with that kick-ass intro, I hope everybody really enjoyed that. Yeah, there was part of me that was worried that maybe I would would be, like, off-putting wrestling fans, and then it was like, yeah, I don't think we have a, a lot of, of wrestling fan listeners, probably. It's probably not a huge wrestling base. So. Yeah, which is why I really wanted to move away from the wrestling questions and really learn about him as a person and, and uh, of course, talk about his diet and his training, which I will warn everybody, he is not vegan, but I'm working on it. But either way, just be grateful you all can't see the nauseating grin on her face while she talks about it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was visiting Michael all last week, and I wasn't able to record any other episode, so I thought, let's make him an interview on the podcast. Yeah, I also wanted to ask him about his thoughts on dating a vegan being a very large, muscly meat eater who follows a very strict keto diet. I, I think it'll be an interesting interview so let's see how it goes and yeah hopefully I can convert him because we all know how healthy it is to try to change the people we're dating right right off the bat yeah good luck I've been trying for about 12 years to change mine (laughs) and I'm not just talking about veganism and how is that going for you I I just punch a lot of walls and scream into a lot of pillows Okay, (laughs) that's somewhat helpful advice, I guess. How so? (laughs) Actually, you could tell you're in love because you still have hope. (laughs) Well, I've heard so much about him, I could probably just give the interview. (laughs) This is the longest intro ever. (laughs) Okay, well, let's get to the interview already. But first, we have to do, of course, our review of the week, especially since I did not read one on last week's episode. And I think it only makes sense that you read it in your Hulk Hogan impression. I figured you were going to say that, although I don't know how much more my throat can take. Well, it's not too long, um, and I'll start it for you. So this week's review comes from jgod88 and is titled Hilarious and Honest. So take it away, Shorkster. I just recently found this podcast, and I'm so glad I did. As a vegan, it can be hard to find fitness and health-related podcasts, to which I can relate 100%. Samantha and Sarah keep it 100% real, and are not scared to go where other fitness-related podcasts wouldn't dare. They provide a wealth of information, and they do it in a way that has more than once legit made me LOL in the middle of my office. Keep it up, ladies. You're doing awesome. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. And thank you, JGod88. I honestly love knowing that we are distracting people from doing their work. And seriously, love these reviews. Please keep them coming, guys. It helps to uh, keep this podcast going. So for anyone who has not yet submitted a review on iTunes, but you enjoy the podcast, please, if you could take just one moment of your time and at least give us a five-star review, you don't even have to type anything up. That would mean the world to us. Okay, and now 
on to the interview with the oh so dreamy Michael Hutter. Yay. <laughs> Sitting here in my bed, the most intimate podcast I've ever been a part of. And I've done plenty of podcasts. Um, I'm very much looking forward to discussing my life and showing you that I am a true man of integrity, uh, not only as a wrestler, but as a human being. Uh-huh. As Michael Hutter, but as EC3, and they are one and the same in some ways. First, before we get into the character of EC3, why wrestling? Why wrestling? Misguided childhood ambition, I guess. You know, you're a child, you want to do all sorts of weird things. You want to do some real things. You want to be an astronaut. You want to be a fireman. You want to be a police officer. You want to be a space lord. You want to be a pro wrestler. One of those is attainable for me, and uh, it was pro wrestling. So, actually, four of them. Actually, I probably could be a space lord, too. So, <laughs> I want to be a space lord. Oh, it is a space lord. I, I don't know. I don't know. Sounds a pro weird. <laughs> Metal song you would like. But, uh, no, I liked it as a child. I continued to like it as a teenager. I continued to like it as I graduated high school, and I continued to like it so much that I was in college, and I said, this isn't for me. I'd rather pursue what I really want to do. There was two times I was in school. One, well, three. Uh, two times. The first time was out of high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do, so it was basic whatever education. And then after that, I was actually in firefighting paramedic school, and uh, I was wrestling before that, but I was doing that, and I realized I really needed to pursue this full-time, or I'd figure my life was a waste. So I left that and I went to pursue it full time. Cool. So it was sort of a passion that you knew you would regret if you didn't at least try to explore? Uh, yeah. And I don't know, it's a weird industry and I don't know how much we can get into. I started wrestling. Um, I gained some success, but it was mostly as a weekend warrior. One day I was scouted and uh, I got a call by WWE to wrestle locally uh, I did that, and I walked down their aisle and then to the ring before I got murdered. But I remember walking out there realizing there's nothing else I can do with my life that would be worth it if I don't do this first. So, yeah. You know, okay. Brief synopsis of my undying passion for what I do. Where did the character EC3 come from? The character of EC3, Ethan Carter III, was conceived via Impact Wrestling when I debuted with them in 2013. I was brought in as the rich, entitled, spoiled brat nephew of the owner, Dixie Carter. Oh, and so, uh, interesting. Why Ethan? I've never met an Ethan that you didn't want to punch in the face. I don't know if you had, <laughs> like, just as a name. It's like, well, what a dick. Right. I've never <laughs> okay. met a cool Ethan. He seems to be quite loved by wrestling fans. I think wrestling fans do love him despite the fact he was created to be an antagonist. Right. But I think he was so good at being a scumbag POS that people eventually found themselves endearing to him. You can swear on this podcast. I could, but I'm a gentleman. I am a potty mouth, and Michael never swears, and it makes me feel like trash. I don't never swear. (laughs) I just feel that the best usage of swearing is like emphasize at the right times at the right moments right yeah so i'll probably drop one f-bomb in this and it'll be at the right time maybe a couple shits okay 
three to four dicks. Okay. Uh, an ass in there somewhere. So. When you did make this your career, was there anyone or anything that held you back or tried to hold you back from pursuing this dream? I've never had any sort of family or friends where my parents were supportive. They followed their dreams to own a restaurant, so I followed, you know, they were cool with me doing that. And, like, I guess that would be a big hang-up for a lot of people pursuing such a endeavor that could result in massive failure and no success. But I always had their support. Friends, some laughed at it, but understood what I liked, and, you know, others kind of did it with me, too, and supported it. No friends or family ever said you're an idiot. But, oh, in the industry, it is a snake pit. It is a stab you in the back kind of business. And I've definitely battled a lot of uh, political struggles and personal struggles. And definitely injuries were a big part of derailing success. And how does that affect your mindset when you deal with this snake pit that you speak of or getting injured? I think from a when it becomes political and personal, at the end of the day, it's a business and you have to take care of yourself. It sucks to have friends that turn out to not be your friends. It sucks to be, you know, undercut by people you would treat with respect and care for, but at the same time, it is a dog-eat-dog world. So, sometimes you learn that lesson the hard way. I definitely didn't, and that's okay. If you suffer an injury, you're out of work in a sense, so... There's not a lot you can do with a torn ACL besides recover. There's not a lot you can do with a broken back besides learn to walk again. There's not a lot you can do with torn bicep besides get healthy and return as soon as possible. So, and do you find because you have the mentality of if I don't wrestle, I don't pay my bills, that you do kind of let injuries not fully heal? Oh, uh, yeah. 100%. For okay. sure. But at the same time, if it requires surgery, a professional organization is not going to let you back until you're okay, I wondered that doctor stuff. There was an angle, which in wrestling is the word for like a storyline we're telling. Okay. That I was very dead set on seeing through. And because we had taped the show so far in advance, it needed to culminate in the United Kingdom because I was wrestling a British guy who was my best friend at one point. We turned on each other and it was, you know, just the Shakespearean stuff that you can't stand when you watch my videos <laughs> that I love so much. Yeah, so I really had to, anyways, pay off this angle in the right place at the right time. So that was, I was off an injury and I think I needed four months to recover and I was back in eight weeks. Would you say that's the biggest challenge that you've ever had in your career? No. That was a risk that I was willing to take because of where the character was going and my career was going. I needed to, it was such a moment that could only take place in that moment that I had to will myself to do it. And I'm glad I did because it worked out, but it could have went wrong and I could have re-injured myself and sidetracked myself for like six months. So how about in the beginning of your career, can you think of like a time that you almost threw in the towel and how did you overcome that? This is an interesting podcast because it's not for wrestling fans. This is cool to talk about. Biggest challenge was standing out and being noticed and making it a fruitful career, in a sense. So, uh, WWE is like the major wrestling game in town, and uh, being signed by them is employment, where you'll, you're not going to make good money at first, but you're going to be sustainable and earn an opportunity, hopefully.
being signed to what is a developmental contract, which in theory is like a minor league baseball contract for a major league baseball team, was a big goal, and just being in the right place at the right time was the hardest part, because I've tried out a few times, and they're like, yeah, you look good, yeah, you can talk well, you're a decent wrestler, you know, but now's not the right time, now's not the right time. And then the second thing that was the hardest thing to overcome was probably, in addition to being injured and getting past those hurdles would be when the WWE fired me. So that was tough because that's my dream job and I lost it. What qualities did you have to possess and what sort of like self-care tactics did you have to implement in order to say, no, I'm going to keep pursuing this dream? Yeah, because I wouldn't take no for an answer. And even looking back, I could have not taken no for an answer more. Like I could have been more forceful. And do you feel like you worked harder every time? Yeah, and especially the thing of being fired by your dream job is super disheartening and you could throw in the towel, but then you can realize no one's going to tell you how you're going to live your life and you can use that as motivation, that angst. And I'm one person who is motivated very, very thoroughly by being wronged, more so sometimes than even being believing in myself or my dreams. Like, tell me I can't do something. Fuck you. I'm going to do it. Trap of setting goals. Michael is referencing a blog post by Mark Manson. I read it on our episode all about the trap of having body goals. So if anyone's wondering what he's talking about, be sure to go check out that episode. What has been your biggest accomplishment in your wrestling career? You can look at it two ways. When I was growing up, I idolized a couple of wrestlers, one of them being Kurt Angle. I've always had, oh, what's your dream match? Oh, man, I'd really like to wrestle Kurt Angle for a world title. That's me at, like, 16 saying that. Fast forward, you know, 15 years, I had a world title match with Kurt Angle, and not only did I have my dream match, I won. So that was my first world title. And in theory, like, if you're going to put accolades on a career in the pseudo sports entertainment world of professional wrestling, it's like, yeah, it's a pretty good one. Good for him. In reality, what's my biggest accomplishment is some financial success and stability, doing some fucking weird-ass job, right. uh, being able to live my dream and, you know, take care of myself and family because of it. We both have these careers where, you know, we're kind of entrepreneurs in a sense and we have to support ourselves, like, through random things that we do. Money wasn't a big driving factor for you. Maybe it was the end goal for you, but, you know, how would you um, place money on the, like, the scale of what was important to you? I never, and I think this is a problem with some people that get into our industry or any industry that maybe they don't have a passion for, but it was never about money. It's great to have, and it's great to be able to support yourself doing it, and of course that's what you want. But at the same time, if I had a career where I made $50 million or $10 million, I don't see a difference in that because I've set myself up for life either way. So, though it's important, it was not my, it is still not my most important driving aspect. I think that he brings up a very valid point because I, too, money has never been 
one of the main reasons why I do what I do. And I just love that I'm able to, you know, my biggest passions in life are writing and veganism and fitness. And to be able to combine those things into a career is beyond awesome and I've always said you know like that will come with time but just like do things from the heart do what you're passionate about and you'll be amazed at how other people will dig it because they can see that you're doing what you love and it's amazing how money just kind of like happens but it doesn't come right away you have to work hard for it and you have to believe in yourself and your product and what you're doing enough to know that, you know, it will come eventually. And would you say that obviously has been the case for you? Yeah, for sure. And then from a wrestling term, even when I was, you know, shit can from my job at one point, great advice I got from a guy who trained me. Uh, his name is Dr. Tom Pritchard, and he was the, at the time, nah, he was my coach at WWE, but then he was fired before I was. But it was like, you don't take yourself out of the game. You know, if you really want to do what you're doing or if you really want success in what you're doing, you can't quit because you're not going to get it. You can fall down a hundred times, but you'll never, if you don't keep trying to get up, you're never going to get up, right? One thing I thought was interesting when I first met Michael, I don't even think I realized that he was this big deal wrestler because he's very humble and he doesn't talk about it and he just seems like a very normal guy who happens to be incredibly sexy so you actually said to me well i'm humble to a fault can you talk about that oh i think it was something a quote i saw on pinterest that would impress me <laughs> so i said it to impress you but i don't i don't know like i've succeeded in what i do but i have not reached the amounts of success i want to reach or i'm not even close in my mind to where i want to be so i don't look at me as being a big deal because I look at me as being, you know, constantly striving to get better, whatever it may be, at wrestling, at life, at eating healthier food options, perhaps. Vegan like food. Constantly evolving and constantly being better. And then, I mean, I did okay in what I do. Big deal. That's not a character of a man or a person. It's well, and I find it incredibly attractive, but I wonder, do you think career-wise that that is a good way to be, or... Do you think that the wrestlers who are super all about themselves, they tend to get more notoriety in the industry? Maybe they're better at promoting themselves, but the same token, I'm humble to a fault. EC3 is a fucking dickhead, narcissistic asshole, so even maybe I get to live that character on screen and I get to talk and braggadocious about accomplishments, whether they're real or fake or in my mind, they're real. Like, maybe that takes all the ego away from me because I can live my normal life. Cool, because I get to live it on TV and just scream it from the mountaintop. It's, it's therapeutic in a way. And do I think other wrestlers are more successful that are more braggadocious? I think uh, humility is important as long as, from a public standpoint, they can be like that, but we really police ourselves professionally. So if someone has a pretty big head, they don't really have it too long or they get... I've painted the picture of just how good-looking he is and muscular. Yeah, and you said, like, I came out of a Kendall factory. I mean, if, like, Ken had a busted-ass nose, maybe. He's much better-looking than a Kendall, but obviously you're known for, you know, being muscular. You wear these tiny little trunks, and you're, you know... You What'd you call them at first? You man, man briefs? I think you asked the proper term for them. 
trunks, apparently, is what his little wrestling bikini briefs are. Those are trunks. Now, if they go a little bit longer, like these shorts I'm wearing, they'd be called bikers. Now, if they go all the way down, they're called long tights. Oh, uh, good If you to have know. the straps on it with the, the shorts as a singlet. So, okay. Uh, just real lesson for you. And why do you choose to wear the tiny one? Because it's the classic look, and I'm a classic wrestler. Form of trunks is like old school, but minor modern with glitz and glam, <laughs> color schemes, and they say the, EC3 on the ass. Yes, yes, they do. And then they even have bedazzling on them because they pop on screen. If I'm the rich, spoiled nephew of somebody, I'm going to have the sickest ass gear. Looking this part and showing so much skin and being on TV, you must feel a lot of pressure. What drastic measures have you gone to in order to achieve this look? Well, according to my therapist, I'm a perfectionist, so I'm very, very, very conscious about what I look like, especially being on TV. Wrestling back in the day was a lot more of a party muscle guy business. Like today, it's more character-based and, you know, athletic-based and entertainment-based, so, like, the look isn't as important as it used to be. But at the same time, if I'm going to be popping off my shirt, I'm going to look fucking sweet. So that's very important to me. And do I go to extreme measures and extreme lengths? Yeah. I'm definitely not genetically blessed by any means. I mean, you know, I've worked very hard, and, like, I think we talked about this. I mean, once I decided I wanted to be a wrestler, I was in the gym the next day, and that was when I was, like, 14. Mm. So it's been about 20 years of consistently lifting and improving myself. Hear that, guys? So for everyone who thinks that, you know, oh, 12 weeks and I can do a bodybuilding competition, he's been lifting for 20 years yeah. in order to look this way. And that's as consistent as possible with, like, you know, five knee surgeries here and back injury, like, time I had to take off because of being injured, but then coming back from that, so I mean, it's pretty consistent though, where I never stopped until I had to stop, because my body said, I can stop, man, right. you know, I'm done. Well, and just to paint a picture for everybody, he gets up first thing in the morning and does, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of fasted cardio, even if it is just half-assed walking on the treadmill, he makes sure that he does that. Uh, ca calorie burn in the morning and then we have gone to the gym where he you know is drenched in sweat by the end of a, a pretty intense lifting session so he definitely works his ass off and can you talk a little bit about food wise you basically are following a keto diet unfortunately he is not vegan but I will be working on this so everybody stay tuned for how my trying to change a, a meathead into a meatless meathead goes a lot of people who diet and you know their goal is to get this perfect body you know it's a constant battle between wanting the bad foods and adhering to a strict diet where they're cutting out a lot of food groups do you feel restricted in your eating i definitely restrict myself and like you said, it's a, I kind of been following a keto diet, and I do that for months at a time sometimes, and, you know, basically in a perfect world, I'll do a six days of keto, and then on the seventh day, I'll be keto most of the day, and treat myself uh, in about a four-hour window on one of those days, and kind of reload on carbs. Is it the best for me? Probably not. Uh, I could probably instill carbs and feel better all day and be more health conscious, but then traveling is such a difficult thing to eat properly, so keto 
it's provided me. Well, at least if I'm eating keto, I know I can follow that without, like, where did my carbs come from? Where did my proteins come from? It just got easy, but I am going to switch it up, and uh, I do eat vegetables, but uh, <laughs> I also, you mentioned restricting yourselves and things like that. Um, I'm no saint. I like to rock, and I like to roll, so in order for traveling on the road, we tend to get after it from time to time, and uh, I am a locker room leader, therefore I am a professional drunk at times where I have to, you know, supply partying and buying shots, and I get, you know, hammered, because well, I'm going to do it responsibly, I'm never driving or anything, and I don't have demons where I'm a terrible, awful human being at times, <laughs> but we, we live a rockstar lifestyle, and sometimes, you know, those pitfalls come about, and then, like you saw me on one day where I've been keto, 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 hardcore, 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 then I had a few cocktails out with the fellas, and you saw what that transpired to into an entire binge day. Let me share this with our listeners, so... In Ottawa, when he was there wrestling, we went drinking at one point, and then the next day, we went out for breakfast to a place called Flapjacks, which literally Michael ordered for breakfast. He had poutine, which is a Canadian delicacy of French fries covered in gravy and cheese curds, and then he had some kind of dead animal burger with a fried egg on top. Now, again, I know this is a vegan podcast, but we're not judging people. Oh, right. And he also had a cinnamon toast crunch milkshake, which he poured maple syrup into. (laughs) Michael demolished everything that was on his plate. And then I dropped him off at the arena where he was wrestling. And all I can say is that with my choice of meal and having had alcohol the night before, I felt like crap that whole day. I was hungover, my digestion was terrible, and I just kept thinking about him in his little tiny trunks manhandling another big dude and probably shitting through a screen door, for lack of a better term. Please explain how you're able to do that. And most people wouldn't even want to take their shirt off after they ate a meal like that. I definitely felt self-conscious, especially because my tan was dissipating from there for six <laughs> days and uh yeah i popped the shirt off i wasn't my 100 percent best but at the same time you know everyone knows i'm jacked like what's okay. one what's one episode of impact where i look like i had flapjacks <laughs> i was hung over and i had an extremely long match i think we went 15 to 20 minutes and that's you know a lifetime out there at the same time once you walk out there with adrenaline should i have been hung over no that's sucks you're an idiot mm-hmm. if you want to perform your best but was i yep did i perform though yeah because adrenaline took over and i was absolutely shocked about how well i performed based on the fact i was fueled by flapjacks because <laughs> i didn't restrict myself i wasn't like keto like i need 40 days of protein 30 days of right, right. i wasn't picking and choosing like i would a belly full of man food you know, <laughs> a lot of dead animal i apologize to my vegan friends <laughs> Fueled by just whiskey and, you know, wild woman in my life now. And, like, (laughs) no apprehensions. And I kicked ass. I was on fire. I think I was doing flips. Like, I'm just, like, I had... And was your ass on fire, too, all day? Uh, (laughs) I probably took an excessive amount of deuces. But, I mean, 
whatever. That's, that's personal, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't the best of circumstances. But you know what? Life isn't full of the best circumstances. Sometimes you only have the opportunity that presents itself for that day. And you'll never have perfect circumstances, even if it's self-inflicted like an idiot. But you just do the best you can with what you got. Outside of the wrestling ring and all flapjacks nightmares aside, is flapjacks going to sponsor your podcast? <laughs> I might just ask they the have flapjacks. Vegan options. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, outside of the wrestling ring, what are some of the daily habits that you do to help you stay healthy and fit? What are some things that you have to do every single day? Every single day, probably some sort of physical activity, you know, and you've witnessed that by my quote, slow-ass, bullshit treadmill workout, end quote. <laughs> to be fair, in my respect, the day before, I was getting my ass handed to me by a six-foot-five man, so my body wasn't absolutely primed for an extensive cardio workout, like the one he sent me full of lunges and side straddles that I would, <laughs> would break me in half. Which he has yet to try my workouts. They're intense. But, like, yeah, physical activity, really taking a lot of time to focus on longevity when I do and being better with, you know, stretching. Uh, I don't do it every day, but I probably twice a week, a nice yoga class. Mm-hmm. Or I've learned the only time I can shut my mind off is, like, at the end with the Shavasana. Mm-hmm. Like, the only time I can't think. You mentioned meditation. It's something I gave a shot twice and I sucked at, and I should do better because it's something I wouldn't mind being okay at. <laughs> Despite... Samantha's feelings on my dead animal eating and probably a majority of the listeners of this I mean I do prep a lot of my own food so I take care of that and even if I'm eating dead animal I accompany it with a green vegetable in excess as well and you are big on the high protein low carb diet obviously and yeah. I, you do eat quite a bit of fat yeah counting calories seems hard for me because as long as I I don't want to say micro macro nutrient breakdown because I don't know everything about it because I'm not a total meathead but it'd be like if I know I'm getting 40 to 50 grams of protein and 20 to 30 grams of good fats I know I'm on the right path and then if it's a little bit more that's cool if it's a little bit less not a big deal and you are six foot one and what about 250 Uh, no I'm 220 tops. Oh, okay. I'm billed on my fake Wikipedia as 250. I don't know why. <laughs> if I was 250, I'd be so fat jacked, your head would explode. I'm very focused on being lean, and I don't know if that's hurt me at times, too, because looking awesome is great, but being able to perform and not get hurt. I mean, if I'm walking around at 5 to 6% body fat, I might be more predisposed to being injured, but I just can't help wanting to look better than everybody because I'm a psychopath narcissistic (laughs) piece of shit and what body fat percentage are you sitting at right now I would assume seven to eight if there was some end goal gigantic living infamy moment where I had to restrict myself and train for it kind of like how you would for fitness competitions I would definitely be able to do that but then when that second has passed and I'm over the emotion of the moment I would be base first in the biggest cheesecake you've ever seen cheese whiz out of the can by biting the can open you're promoting binge eating it's just interesting to know because it is something that 
a lot of dieters struggle with and fitness competitors especially. I think in a way, if you want to live a, a healthy, happy, look good lifestyle, you do not have to restrict as much. You're allowed to dabble. Treat yourself. Yeah, very much so. But if I'm going for like an epic moment where I'm perfectly tanned and symmetrical and lean and like I'm winning the big the big match and like you know pyro's going off and everyone's cheering 80,000 people and I'm like this is the moment I'm going to remember forever I'm going to look as awesome as possible and then when that moment's over I'm going to treat myself but I try to maintain a certain level at all times and then if I need to cut just a little bit of water I know I'm going to look It's interesting that you bring up that you're more concerned with being lean because something that women especially always deal with is, um, you know, we always have this never lean enough. And especially for us fitness competitors, when we get to that insanely not even healthy or sustainable low body fat percentage, we always compare ourselves to that. And I know with a lot of males, it's this never ending quest to, you know, be the biggest. For what I do, I want to look awesome and I want to perform awesome. And sometimes those don't go hand in hand. Sometimes one has to outweigh the other. So, I mean, an NFL lineman doesn't need to look awesome. They just need to be huge and strong. Yes, and I love that Michael said this because everybody should go and listen to the podcast episode all about having realistic body fat expectations because I clearly state what is healthy for bodybuilders who are competing versus athletes in other sports. And it just, it is not the same. You cannot have a super low body fat and perform as well in certain sports. And yet we compare ourselves to what we see people on the cover of fitness magazines, but that's not necessarily the ideal body fat for performance. I mean, think about someone on a cover of a magazine who's trained to look at that moment for that one moment mm-hmm. and is touched up, twisted, photoshopped, all that to look absolutely perfect. That's impossible. Exactly. It sucks. For me, because I I know I'm not going to be the biggest guy or the strongest because genetically there's guys who are you know, have better genetics or freakier or stronger than me. There's this gym I work out at, and in a competition sense, a lot of wrestlers work out there, and um, they have one thing that's like the power index. So it's like based six lifts, then based on your body weight, where do you rank? And I'm like in the top three, and I'm pretty proud of that because like I don't want to be bigger than 220 to 225. What advice would you give to men who are wanting to put on muscle? How can they do that? shit up and put it down like squat deadlift and bench and powerlifting moves are the majority of your training a lot based in it some olympic lifts but i think those three exercises themselves and then squat deadlift and bench and anything you add to that is the tried and true i get bored after six reps at times you know i switch it up like i was going really heavy for a minute and i felt a a pain that could have been a lot worse than what it was and so I realized I had to scale back and I'm probably going to focus on going higher reps again but I'm still going to base my workouts on the main movement patterns of what is it hinge squat pull push that kind of shit I don't want to short short the, the fellas my tricks but I think I go heavy with low reps sometimes and I go lighter weight with higher reps sometimes and just as long as you switch it up right. if you keep doing the same thing 
If you always exactly. do what you always did, you always get what you always got. You also mentioned something cool to me last night that not only are you an aesthetic strong looking individual a lot of people I'm sure could say like oh his sport it's all fake but it definitely involves a lot of pain and manipulating your body in certain ways but you actually have a title because you did competitive powerlifting at one point I did one meet just to see what I would do and it was A fresh off of being fired by WWE and B it was fresh off a knee injury so just to see, because I like to train that way, and it was fun. And uh, I have a great strength coach who uh, coached me up, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go do a meet. All right, we'll do 10 weeks. We'll do this one in Florida. Cool. Uh, I go to do it, and, you know, did decent on squat. I was placing. I did decent on bench, and then I was the deadlift was the last thing. And on my third attempt, he didn't tell me what weight he put on the bar. And he's just like, just go do it. Don't worry about it. And I was walking on stage, and I was like, oh, no, competing for a Florida State record at 220 pounds and I'm like, oh, shit. I've never done this before in my life. People were watching in the heat of the moment, and I picked it up and put it down. And I was like, wow, I had no intention of beating a state record this day and this meet at all, but I did, and it was cool. And then some professional powerlifter came and trashed it six months later, but whatever, for a moment I had that record. Yeah, that's cool. If I didn't put myself out there to do something, I would have never done it. You, you know, have this career where you're constantly injuring yourself, plus you're lifting most days of the week, and you have been. What are some of your go-to tips for recovery? A bath is nice. I guess sleep's very important. Supplement-wise, I don't know. Everything you see me take, you're, like, looking at me like... Yeah, he takes a lot of meathead supplements, guys. Yeah, but, like, I like fish oil, too. I'm cool. That's but... not vegan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Z- worry, I think guys. Z- ZMA? That's... Yeah, but it probably has a gelatin capsule. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> win. How many rest days do you give yourself a week? Zero. Really? Until I'm hungover, then I take one. Yeah, like, I'll take a rest day, and what do I do? Probably morning cardio and then a yoga class and that's my rest day. Really? Oh, so you're, you really do go hard. Even suffering an injury where I need to take time off and still training around it is so dumb and it's so neurotic and it's so unnecessary because if you're hypothetically this fairy of strength and power and you're going to give me advice, you say, are you willing to do anything, whatever it takes to get better, be stronger, look better? fitter and I would say yes and then if you said take a week off I would probably be like no way I can't do that but you guarantee me I'll be better fitter stronger healthier if I can take this week off but there are health benefits to doing like a deload week totally is it's very hard to do my friend just broke his wrist he's texting for advice hold your sleep big inject when you're injured I'm like gave him this advice and I can't even follow myself just relax take time your body might react better this time off, yeah, it might suck for a month to come back, and then maybe two months you're not right back where you've been, but then after month three, you're better than you were before you got hurt. Are you willing to do what it takes? I'll do whatever it takes. Take time off. 
no thanks. Like, mm -mm. what a hypocrite I am. Obviously, guys, you do know that it is very important how you build muscle is by allowing it to the muscle tissue. You know, when you're working out, you're breaking down the muscle fibers. And then by resting, it's able to repair. And as it repairs, it grows bigger. So it is important. Always one rest day per week. If you ask me, Coach Shorky, don't listen to this meathead. He eats animals anyway. I'm sure you have your fair share of super fans and haters. How do you deal with the negative comments that you come across on social media? I think being in this business, being sort of self-deprecating, which I'm working on, if you've been stabbed in the back by the people that are close to you for either whether it's life or professionally, some troll online with an egg picture on Twitter <laughs> saying you fucking suck isn't really like going to hurt my feelings too much. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's hard to blur the lines too because a lot of people like me for wrestling and what I do and even if I'm a bad guy I appreciate me being really good at being bad but at the same time I don't care when they're like man EC3 is so good at being what we call a heel as a bad guy an antagonist in a sense I get off on the guys who say you suck I can't believe you did that to them the people that are like really believing it because right. I'm really doing my job okay you, you would do such a thing to him how could you shave that man's head and leave him bloody in his home country right. I'm like Yes, thank you. Not like, man, that was awesome when you murdered Spud in England. Yeah, well, I'm not doing my job if you like me for it. I mean, I can't help that you like me, and I'm not going to. At the end of the day, this is white hat versus black hat. It's good guy versus bad guy. And if you're a bad guy that people like, you're not really a bad guy. You're a good guy. So, find the line. Yeah, but if like, people say, oh, he's wrestling so far, and uh, you know, his technique on that clothesline was inappropriate. <laughs> you know, fuck the fuck do you know? You never wrestled a match in your life. That goddamn world champion say, man, you're a pleasure to be in the ring with. I'm fucking pretty good at what I do. So, some idiot who's watched wrestling and never done it, it's not gonna bother me. And then, like, negativity does inspire me. I mean, if I, like, if I had, had a piss-poor performance and I knew it, I would make myself read every comment saying, man, he really didn't do too well today. Because then that big feeling came Do you watch yourself a lot? It's so hard. Because I'm so critical. You need to. And I'm not maybe the best at watching myself. Because I could probably break down a bunch of things I do wrong and dislike that maybe no one else noticed. I watch everyone else's stuff and with a fine tooth comb. And like, mm. if they ask me for advice, cool. Or if like, whether it's good or bad, you can always learn by watching. At the same time, it's hard for me to watch myself. But I do. Not enough. Do you ever regret choosing this career path? Every single day. Really? No, not at all. But there are times, like, there used to be a running joke when I was in developmental, and it's like, it wasn't always easy. It got pretty hard, and it became, like, a drill-instructing sense. It's just, like, it wasn't fun at all. Like, every day going into a cold warehouse and practicing wrestling, and this shit hurts so bad. And, like, the practice, like, the only thing that makes it worth it is fans. Yeah, boo, you know? Practicing it in a warehouse where no one's making any noise, people are just watching you, and it's just like, it's just a bunch of busy work. Running joke is like, you just tie in your little practice wrestling boots, because we had to wear the boots in practice. Like, what am I doing with my life? Just, like, <laughs> I'd say that almost every day. But at the same time, I'm living a dream, because if I'm not in this chair putting on my little practice boots, saying, what am I doing with my life? There's 9,000 people knocking at the door that want to do it, would kill to do it, so shut up and do it. Do you have an attitude of gratitude? Uh, yeah, you have to. 
yeah, I did this. And that's maybe my not humbleness coming out, but like the universe did, it seems, everything to prevent me from doing this at times. So I got through it. So it's so a true test of... Unless I have an attitude of gratitude to the universe for giving me this will to succeed and try, this will to do whatever it takes, then yes, I am have an attitude of gratitude. And do you have any advice for some young guys or girls want to pursue their passion? Maybe not wrestling, but anybody who wants to pursue their passion as a career and maybe they're scared of failure, what would you say to them? There's nothing wrong with failing. You have to fail to succeed. Mm-hmm. I failed more than I succeeded, probably. I'm not Michael Jordan or anything of wrestling. Like, I'm not the apex of success, but at the same time, like, you have to fail to succeed because if you don't fail, you don't learn. But if you don't try, you never know. If you want to live a life of regret not knowing, that's a shitty life, and I'm sorry you want that. But if you really want to do something and try something, just commit yourself as much as possible. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to take yourself out of your comfort zone because a lot of times other people won't do that. Go the extra mile. Have passion in what you do. Strive, thrive, rock and roll, deal with it. (laughs) Amen, brother. And I'm sure everybody listening is curious about uh, this little situation we have going on. So the fact that, you know, we've obviously discussed that you are not vegan. And I, as everyone who reads my blog should know that I do date non-vegans. What, Michael, do you foresee as being the biggest challenge in dating a vegan? I don't really see a challenge on the table that isn't so every way possible because I support anybody that has a passion in what they do and the lifestyle they want to live. So I'm not one to say how anyone should live their life. And, you know, at the same time, I understand maybe the health benefits and the animal issues and rights and things of that nature, but it's not something that's, I've really fully believed in enough to change my lifestyle, and, you know, I think, I'm open to learning anything, because if you shut yourself off from new information, you'll never be a satisfied person. What if we watched animal cruelty videos together as a date? God, it sounds awful. <laughs> it just sounds so sad. Can't Don't just... worry, guys. I've, I've got Earthlings ready to play after this podcast interview. Can't I just live in the darkness? <laughs> Thank you, Michael, for being a part of this interview. Maybe you could give us a little sign-off as EC3 and uh, what he would say in a ring crowd full of vegans <laughs> <laughs> I did this whole thing as like a real person barely any EC3 <laughs> wow well yeah we need a little taste of the, the wrestling persona just like a take a minute for all you vegan tofu eating <laughs> tempura not having meat hating sissy ass nillies to get a look at this hot beef injection the best guy here the best guy there the best guy anywhere i am the top one percent of this industry and i am the top one percent of meat eaters on the planet i am ec3 screw you ec3 hey (laughs) we like michael better okay
awesome. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Definitely more to come from the Sam Shorky EC3 <laughs> connection. Sam trying to convert Michael to veganism. All right, and there you have it, folks. I encourage everybody listening to go and watch the YouTube video that I posted last week, which is all about clogging his toilet. <laughs> Sounds like a juicy one, huh? Ugh. And one last item of housekeeping before we conclude this week's episode uh, with the most awesome song ever, might I add. I did want to give everybody a heads up that if anyone is planning to enter this year's bodybuilding.com $250,000 12-week transformation challenge, which, if you did not know, I coached the winner of in 2015. Not to toot my own horn, guys, but uh, my client did beat out 345,000 people worldwide, and she had gone from meat eater to vegan for those 12 weeks, won a lot of money, and it usually is a busy time of year for me because I coach a lot of people for this contest. And if you are interested in entering, which kicks off January 1st, I'm offering a special coaching package price of $439 for the 12-week duration of the challenge. And that includes training plans, vegan nutrition plans, and of course, online support with me. And don't forget highly motivating check-in emails from me. Yeah, quite the deal. Shoot us an email to sam at jackedonthebeanstalk.com if you are interested in that. Well, for all you Footloose fans from the 80s, not the remake. um, (laughs) That one doesn't even count. I strongly suggest checking out the the angry dance scene in the barn with Kevin Bacon. It's, It's a good one. Anyway, we are doing Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. Production, something completely unrelated <laughs> to wrestling. So stay tuned for that one and have a great week, guys. Shorky Sisters out. I love-